The scripture reading for tonight will be taken from Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1. And I will be reading from the King James Version. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasures in them. Good evening and welcome again to our worship service. We're grateful for your presence. We are thankful for the opportunity to be together tonight. We are very appreciative of the beautiful day that God has blessed us with. It is certainly our prayer that we will use the time that God blesses us with upon this earth in a wise way, that we will be an influence for good, and that we will be a light in this community for good. We do welcome Sister Wilson, as well as uh, the Walker family, to the congregation here. We're grateful for their willingness to come and join hands with us. And let me just very quickly make mention of the fact that we have had several individuals, families that have come and identified with the work here at Olive Branch. And in, at least in my estimation, it is a compliment to the eldership here for their leadership and their desire to, to lead this church in a manner and way well-pleasing to God. And I'm grateful that they want the congregation here fed spiritually it's my conviction that if we grow spiritually, we will in turn grow numerically. And I'm grateful that we have men who function as elders in the church here that are desirous of following the New Testament, who want to uphold the name of Christ in this community. And so if you're here tonight and you're visiting, we do welcome you. We encourage you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you may have. In our lesson tonight, we're going to be looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 12. I want us to think for a moment or two about the theme, going home. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the king of Israel, provides us with a glimpse into what life is all about. And really, in chapter 12, he accentuates the importance of focusing our lives on Almighty God. And so tonight we look at Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and in so doing, we want to note what this inspired writer had to say relative to life and to living successfully in life. We hear a lot of people today talking about how they want to be successful, how they want to be productive in life. Well, in my estimation, if you want to be successful and productive in this life, then what you need to do is read the book of Ecclesiastes. And note what Solomon says in chapter 12, because really he accentuates, he focuses on what's most important. And so with that in mind, we think about going home. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, the first thing that Solomon addresses has to do with the demand in life. And really what Solomon is stressing here is the importance of learning to embrace the Creator in life. And in chapter 12, verse 1, he stresses the importance of remembering the Creator in youth. 
that is, when we're young. And there are some reasons for that, and we'll explore those in just a moment. Before we look at chapter 12, verse 1, I want you to back up to chapter 11, because in chapter 11, in verses 9 and 10, Solomon makes some statements relative to youth. That is, he focuses on what it means to be young. And I think about, from time to time, the words of David in the long ago, when he said, I was young, and now I am old. You and I, we have the privilege of experiencing youth at some point in time. Once we're born into this world, we go through that, that growing process, and we, we experience those youthful years of life. But note, if you would, what is said in verse 9. First of all, he addresses the blessings of youth. He writes, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. Sometimes I think when we're young, we fail to appreciate what a blessing it is to be young. Now, if you're young, you may not appreciate this right now, but I can assure you there will come a time in your life when you will look back with fondness upon your youth. And you'll think about the golden days of youth. Yesterday or the day before, I was watching television, and there was a, an ad that was really what, what the advertisers were, were trying to do, they, they were trying to sell their viewing audience on purchasing some CDs that, that went back to the 70s. And I was listening to those songs, and I was thinking about my teenage years. And I was thinking about all of the fun that I had as a teenager. Well, it's somewhat odd to me that when you're young you want to be old and when you're old you want to be young. That, that's just the way it is. Well you need to enjoy your youth. Enjoy being young. Enjoy the blessings, the freedoms that you have as a young person. Because let me tell you, you're only going to be young for a little, for a little while. And ultimately you will grow older. And so first of all, the blessings of youth, but then also not just the blessings of youth, but Solomon addresses the behavior of youth. Listen to what he says. But know that for all these, God will bring you into judgment. Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh. For childhood and youth are vanity. Now chapter 12, verse 1. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth. And so here Solomon is reminding those of us who live here on planet earth the importance of living a godly life, of remem remembering God in our youth. Why remember God when we're young? Why, why try to develop characteristics of godliness as a young person? Well, there may be any number of reasons, but let me just give you at least one. As you grow older in life, you become more settled in your ways. If you develop bad habits as a young person, in all likelihood, those habits are going to carry over 
into your adult life. And so that's why it's imperative that as a young person, you see the need to become a child of Almighty God, that you realize the importance of serving God in youth. There are a lot of people today that will discount the importance of youth. And sometimes individuals will look at young people and they'll ask the question, how could they ever have an impact on our society? That's not how Paul thought. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, Paul said, let no man despise your youth, but be an example to the believers. In other words, Paul told Timothy, and Timothy was his own son in the faith. He was a young evangelist. He said, Timothy, what I want you to do is show the world what it means to be a New Testament Christian, that is to be a child of God. And I'm convinced that young people today can permeate our society for good. They can be an influence for good. They can be a leavening agent for good. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth in Matthew 5, 13. They can be the light of the world, as Jesus said in Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. And so trying to develop a godly mindset, trying to develop those kind of wholesome habits that will carry over into adulthood. We talk about remembering our Creator in the days of our youth. If you're focusing on those things that are spiritual in nature and you're trying to grow as a Christian as you go through your teenage years, in all likelihood, you're going to begin dating somebody who is a member of the church. And hopefully and prayerfully, you will marry somebody who is a member of the Lord's church. Amos asked the question in the long ago, can two walk together except they be agreed? You need to marry a child of God. If you're a young person today, I would encourage you. I would encourage you with every ounce of energy that I have to marry a Christian. You will never go wrong if you marry a child of God. That's not to say that you're going to be free from problems, that you're not going to have some bumps along the road of life. But let me tell you, your chances of success in marriage are greatly enhanced if you marry a child of God. And so as Solomon said, remember now your creator in the days of your youth. And so the blessings of youth, the behavior of youth, and then finally the brevity of youth. Note now what Solomon says. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come. And the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are not darkened and the clouds do not return after the rain. You may not realize this right now. But before you know it, if you're a young person, you'll be a parent. And then you'll become a grandparent. I'm telling you life will get away from you. It seems like but yesterday that I was graduating from high school. It doesn't seem that long ago when Nancy and I brought Braden home from the hospital. I'm telling you, life gets away from you. Job said in the long ago, man that is born of woman, listen to him, is a few days and full of trouble. Life is fleeting. And Solomon is saying that 
if you're a young person, you better enjoy it because it is very brief. Here today, gone tomorrow. And so the first thing we think about has to do with the demand of life. But then secondly, Solomon addresses this idea of deterioration in life. Did you know that when you're born into this world, that you're born to die? I referenced a moment ago the words of Job in Job chapter 14, verse 1. Man born of woman, that's our entrance into this world, is of few days and full of trouble. That's our existence in this life. And then he talks about how we come forth like a shadow and then flee away. That's our exit from life. Well, Solomon here begins to talk about the aging process. You and I, we are aging on a daily basis. It may not be as apparent to us because we see it. We see ourselves on a daily basis. Have you ever been separated from a friend or a family member for many, many years and then you, you meet up? And the first thing you think about is, my, how they and really what that law says is that the world, the universe, is wearing out. It's running down. That is applicable to the human body. This body that you and I have, it is wearing out. It is running down. It is aging. It is decaying. It is deteriorating before our very eyes. And that's what Solomon is saying here in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Note what he says in verse 3. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men bow down, when the grinders cease because they are few and those that look through the windows grow dim, when the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of grinding is low, when one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of music are brought low, also when they're afraid of height and of terrors in the way, when the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper is a burden, desire fails, for man goes to his eternal home. What's Solomon saying there? He's saying that what happens in life is this body as you and I know it begins to wear out. And so as we grow older, as we experience this aging process, there are certain factors that come into play. We lose our teeth. It becomes more difficult for us to eat because we have less teeth to eat with. He talks about how our hearing begins to diminish. We can't hear as well as we once could in days gone by. We're afraid of height. He talks about how our, our hair turns gray. Heavy objects are a burden for us to bear. All of these things happen as we grow older in life. Solomon stresses the fact that as you grow older in life, sometimes sleep becomes elusive. How many times have you, as you grow older in life, find yourself waking up in the middle of the night and you say, I can't sleep? Why is that? Well, it's just a part of life. That's what Solomon is addressing here. Solomon is saying that the body that God has given unto us, it is deteriorating. Now, here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul talked about how the outward man is perishing. 
But the inward man is being renewed day by day. This outward man. There is an outward man and an inward man. The outward man is the physical body. It's this tent that houses my soul or my spirit. And this tent is growing older and wearing out. So with that in mind, note now what Solomon says in the third place. He talks about our departure from this life. In verse 5, again, Solomon said, For man goes to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Remember your Creator before the silver cord is loosed, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the well. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Solomon is saying that just as surely as you were born into this world, you will one day exit this realm of existence. And so, when you exit via the corridors of death, you're going to step out onto the plains of eternity. Let's talk for a moment about death. Not many people want to talk about death in our society today, and yet it is a reality. You can pick up the newspaper and every day you can read about people that have stepped out onto the plains of eternity right here in this city. People are doing it every day. The Hebrew writer said, It is appointed unto man once to die, and after that cometh the judgment. Unless Jesus comes first, you and I, we will one day walk the corridors of death. The psalmist David, in the long ago, he talked about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Death is coming. I cited a moment ago the brevity of life. And James asked the question, what is your life? His answer, it is even as a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. The psalmist said the days of your years may be threescore and ten. And if by reason of strength, they be fourscore years. In other words, you may live to be 70 or 80 years of age, but he said it is soon cut off and we fly away. Death is coming. So ultimately what's going to happen is you and I, we're going to go home. And we'll have more to say about that in a moment. When death comes, what happens? Solomon said, first of all, the body. This body that is wearing out, running down, undergoing the aging process, it's going to return to the dust from which it was taken. Now you can go back to the book of Genesis in chapter 2 and you'll read that God made man from the dust of the earth, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul in Genesis 2 at verse 7. This body is going to return to dust. However, this inward man, the spirit or the soul, that's going to, that's going to return to God. Listen again to what Solomon said. And the Spirit will return to God who gave him. When you die, when I die, unless Jesus comes first, we will step out into the realm of Hades. The Hadean realm is simply that abode of the dead. And there are two places, there are two possibilities that you and I might reside in the Hadean realm. The first would be paradise, the bosom of Abraham. 
In Luke 23, 43, Jesus said to one of the thieves hanging on the cross next to him, and this man had said, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. Jesus responded by saying, Today you shall be with me in paradise. Now in Luke 16, when Jesus talks about the rich man and Lazarus, he talks about how Lazarus was carried by the angels to the bosom of Abraham. When you die, if you're a faithful child of God, if you've been living for the Lord, that's where you're going, to paradise, to the bosom of Abraham. But on the other hand, if you're unrighteous, if you've never obeyed the gospel of Christ, if you're not living faithfully, the alternative would be a place called Tartarus. T-A-R-T-A-R-U-S. That's the Greek word for the realm of those who have lived unrighteously. In 2 Peter chapter 2 at verse 4, Peter talks about the angels that sinned, how God cast them down. The old King James Version says, cast them down to hell. Really the place is to Taurus, the abode of the wicked. That's where those who have not lived for God, that's where they are going at death. And so Solomon is, is simply telling us, you better get ready. You better get ready because this body, as you and I know it, it's wearing out, it's running down, and one day it's going to be dissolved back into the dust. The Spirit, it's going back to God, and God will assign that soul, that spirit, to its proper destination, that being paradise, the bosom of Abraham, or to Taurus. And the choice will be ours. Where we spend eternity is up to us. But having said all of that, I want you to now note with me our duty. In verse 9, Solomon now addresses the duty of mankind. It's incumbent on all of us to take to heart what Solomon says beginning in verse 9. And there are some things that I would call your attention to. In verse 9, Solomon begins by saying, And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yes, he pondered and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find acceptable words. And what was written was upright. Words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and the words of scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. And further, my son, be admonished by these of, me, of making many books, there is no end, and much study is wearisome to the flesh. There are several things I would call your attention to here. The first would be that as members of the human family, we need to be receptive to learning. We need to be students, not just of this world, but we need to become students of the world. How well do you know God's holy word? Solomon, in this great book, in his 12 chapters, Solomon begins by talking about all of the many pleasures and things that he experienced in this life. If you want to talk about somebody who had everything life had to offer, Solomon would have been the man. Solomon did not deprive himself of any pleasure. If he saw it and he wanted it, he got it. He had it all. 
But Solomon in chapter 12 is ultimately bringing this, this study, this case study to a close. He's actually summing up what life is all about. Now I want you to listen again to what he says in verse 12. And further, my son, be admonished by these of making many books, there is no end. Much study is wearisome to the flesh. There are a lot of books that have been penned down through the annals of time. I don't know how many books have been written by mankind. And it may be the case that there are people that are very scholarly in certain areas of life. Maybe somebody is a scholar in the realm of history, and that's great. Maybe somebody has become a scholar in the realm of medicine, and we're appreciative of that because of the advancements made in the medical community. It might be that somebody is very scholarly in the realm of science, and again, we're appreciative of that. Astronomy, because of the things that mankind has been blessed through the providence of God to learn. But let me tell you, if you don't know the book of all books, which is the Bible, the Word of God, you will be an absolute failure in this life. I can assure you that. If you don't know what the Word of God says, you will fail in this life. Now there are a lot of books that you can read and there are a lot of books that you can understand, but you better, you better read and you better understand this book that's called the Bible. I remember many years ago a friend of mine said that, I think he was taking, taking a graduate class. And he said the professor came in and he was handing out the material that they were to read. And this particular professor said to his students, he said, I want you to read this material, but I don't want you to just read it. I want you to master it. And let me just say this. When it comes to the Word of God, we better master this book. We better know it from cover to cover, inside and out, top to bottom. And the only way that I know to do that is by hard work and study. How much time do you spend studying the Word of God? After all, this is the book that's going to judge us one day. Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my word hath one that judgeth him. The words that I have spoken, the same, shall judge him in the last day. John 12, 48. Paul said, We know that the judgment of God is according to what? To truth. Romans 2, 2. Solomon stresses truth in the latter part of this great chapter. How much time are you spending in the Word of God on a regular basis? We've been privileged recently to, to have classes with our young people. Tonight I made the statement in our class that I appreciated the efforts of our young people. I'm impressed with their willingness to learn their desire to learn, their aptitude to learn. And they, they are showing an eagerness to learn. Listen, we can send our kids to school and we can try to, to acquaint them with secular knowledge, but what we ultimately want them to do is to master the Word of God, to know what the Bible teaches so that they can live by it. If we want to change our society, we're going to change it by living according to the precepts of Almighty God. That's the only way that I know change can come about in our world today. We need people that are dedicated to the truth of God. So first of all, we have to learn. We have to be attentive to the Word of God. And then secondly, we need to listen. 
Jesus said in Matthew 13, verse 9, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Are you listening? Are you listening to the Word of God? Did you know that you could come to worship every first day of the week? You could come to Bible class and you could never hear a word that is said. Are you listening? Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 13, people that hear, but they don't hear. They see, but they don't see. They're not listening. They're not trying to learn. You and I, we have to have a desire, an innate desire to learn what the Bible says. Here's what Solomon said. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Solomon here is talking about things that pertain to our eternal well-being. And so he's saying, here is my summation. Here is my summary of everything that I've studied. Hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Are you listening to the Word of God? Are you listening to what the Bible has to say? Or have you turned a deaf ear to the Word of God? There will be a lot of people in eternity who had the opportunity to hear the truth, but they closed their ears to the Word of God. Here's what Solomon said, and here's what we're called upon to live by. Listen to him. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty. And really that word duty is not in the original. What Solomon is saying here is this. The whole sphere of our existence is to fear God and keep his commandments. That's what life is all about. Why? Why fear God? Why keep his commandments? Because God is going to bring every work into judgment and every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Now let me just pause here. If you're a child of God and you're focusing on those things that are eternal in nature, you ought to be the happiest person on this earth. You ever seen somebody who's a child of God who claims to be a Christian, but they walk around with a sour disposition? They're never happy. They're always upset about something. Why? Why would somebody be like that? I mean, we are children of Almighty God. We are children of the King. We have been lavished upon with all of these great spiritual blessings. There are some people that are not happy, and maybe, maybe the case is they wouldn't be happy wherever they were or whatever they were doing. They just wouldn't be happy. That's their disposition. But that's not what being a child of God is. A child of God basks in all of the blessings and favors that Almighty God has given us. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, that every spiritual blessing known to man resides in Christ Jesus. If you're not happy as a child of God, something's amiss in your life. If you're not basking in the peace of God which passes all understanding, something's wrong. Something is amiss in your spiritual life. You need to find the peace that passes all understanding. Think about our world today. Our world is filled with any number of problems. I talked this morning about some of the effects of sin, and one of the effects of sin is what it does to our society as a whole. 
In our society today, there are people who are engaged in thievery, drunkenness, dishonesty, violence, murder. They're doing all of these horrible things. Why is that? Because they don't know the king. They don't know the Lord. What is it you and I have to offer a lost and dying world? We have the answer, the solution. The solution is Christ. Maybe you've been following this murder case that's been ongoing in, in the city over the past few days where a young man took the life of his wife. Reportedly, he beat her to death. And the details that have been emerging out of, out of this murder case... Startling. He committed adultery on her. She committed adultery on him, etc. Let me tell you something. That woman wouldn't be in eternity tonight if they had been living for the Lord. If that man and woman had dedicated themselves to the truth of Almighty God, if they had been living for the Lord Jesus Christ and putting Him first and following the principles set forth in the Word of God, He wouldn't be on trial for murder and she wouldn't be in a grave. You and I, we enjoy all of the blessings and favors of Almighty God. We of all people ought to be happy and we ought to be grateful. And so... Solomon says what we need to do is live with a focus on heaven. The whole sphere of our existence needs to accentuate the Lord. He needs to be the sum of our lives. Now I said at the onset of our study that Solomon here is focusing on going home. Sometime in the future... You and I, we're going to go home. We're going to step outside this physical realm of existence into eternity. And those of us that have lived faithfully for the Lord, we're going, to, we're going to go home and be with the Lord. I've thought a lot about what it means to go home. I was reared in Chattanooga. And I guess in some way that's home. Nancy was reared in Nashville. And in some sense of the word, that's home. But ultimately, where my family resides, that's home, whether it be here or wherever. God is in heaven. We're on earth. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 at verse 8, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When we go home, we go home to be with the Lord. Paul said to live is Christ, to die is gain. I've thought a lot about what the psalmist said in Psalm 115, 16. He said, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Those of you that have grown children, aren't you happy when your children come home? Aren't you glad when your children come home to see you? I can tell you as a parent, I'm glad when Braden's home. I'm glad when he's home. The psalmist said, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. In my mind, God is happy when his children have come home. 
One day we're going home. My prayer is that we'll go home to be with him in heaven. That we'll be with him forevermore. You're not going to get out of here alive unless the Lord Jesus comes first. But what about you? Are you journeying homeward? The world in which we live, we're just a pilgrim here. We're just a sojourner. We're here for a little while and then we vanish away. Ultimately, we're going home. When Paul faced the end of his life here on earth, he said, the time of my departure is at hand. I'm already being offered. I've fought a good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. What about you tonight? When you step outside this life, Will you go home to be with the Lord? If you're here tonight, you're not a Christian, we, we encourage you to come to Christ, to believe that He is the Son of God, John 8, 24, to be willing to repent of every sin, Luke 13, 3, to confess His name before others, Matthew 10, 32, to be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins, Acts 22, 16. If you've done that, the Bible says to be faithful until death, Revelation 2 at verse 10. If you're here tonight, you're not faithful to the cause of Christ, I plead to you, come home. Come back to the Lord who will abundantly pardon, Hebrews 8, 12. Would you come as we stand and sing?